What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Holy City Hoops podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Before we get started, I just wanted to give some quick shout-outs. First off, thank you to everybody who has subscribed. Last week's episode with Brian Mull, our CAA preview, was very well received, so thanks for everybody who listened to that. A special shout-out to the guys over at the Beat and the Beard podcast. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with them, that is the UNCW Sports Podcast. They showed Holy City Hoops some love on a recent episode, and I just wanted to return the favor to them. They just did a great podcast with Seahawks head coach C.B. McGrath. I listened to that this morning. It's fantastic, uh, so be sure to give them a listen. And moving on to the written word, our player preview series on HolyCityHoops.com continues to chug along. Cullen Baldwin recently covered the forwards on the team, uh, so thank you to him for doing that. Uh, be sure to read that. I also did some writing on midmajormadness.com. You can go over there and read my preseason power rankings for the CAA, as well as my preseason picks for the various award winners. There are definitely some CFC Cougars who are well represented on those lists. And final bit of housekeeping, this is in regards to next week's schedule. Usually we've been releasing these on Thursdays. But since there is a game next Thursday on the first, an exhibition game, we definitely want to overreact to everything that happens there. So we're going to wait a few extra days to publish episode four. So look for that early the following week, and we'll have some good stuff for you then. But as for today's show, I'm joined by my pal Brooks Clark. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter at King underscore Cress, You've seen the back and forth between Brooks and I once the season gets going. He keeps up with the Cougs from out on the West Coast. We do a full off-season recap of everything that's happened since the Auburn game. So everything from Joe Cheely's NBA career getting started to some new recruits who have committed to the program to the schedule that came out at the end of the summer. We break all that down for about the first half of the episode. And then the second half, we start to preview this season. We play a fun game of buy or sell which is something I stole from his podcast, and we have some good back and forth about the Cougs. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. We're now joined by Brooks Clark. He is a former CFC athlete himself. He's also now a broadcast associate for Fox Sports. You can catch him on Twitter at BNPBrooks, as well as the Pack in Heat podcast, which is a Pac-12 football podcast, and Boats and Pros, which is his sailing podcast. Brooks and I had the opportunity to hang out at the Cougars NCAA tournament game last spring out in San Diego, and we haven't had the chance to catch up since then. Brooks, how's it going, man? Good, Tommy. First of all, thanks for having me. I would definitely say you're the foremost uh, vocal voice of Cougar hoops. Uh, You know, it was great meeting you in San Diego for the Cougars tournament game, the first one since uh, 99, and that was such, that was so cool just being in that environment. I mean, for me, I'm in LA, so it's just a short drive south. But you, you know, you were part of the caravan all the way across the country. What was it like for for you uh, getting all the way out here? We had a good time, didn't we? It, yeah. it was a good time. Um, <laughs> Open bar went quick. Yeah, yeah, for real. Thanks for the kind words. I'll Venmo you that 20 bucks <laughs> for, for the nice things you just said about me. Yeah, man. I mean, when, when, the, when the sites came out, I was really hoping for like Charlotte. I wasn't a big fan of going to like Wichita and or Omaha or whatever the other sites were. And sure enough, it was San Diego. I was happy with the seed. I was happy that we were playing Bruce Pearl because when I was in school, I remember 
kicking those Tennessee teams' ass a couple mm-hmm. times. But yeah, I mean, with a 20-year gap in between tournament appearances, I didn't know when the next time they were going to return to the NCAA tournament would be. So when I saw San Diego, I was like, screw it. We're going. We're going going big. Um, might not happen again for another 20 years, so I got to show out. Yeah, I, and I, I think for me... I, I I graduated in thirteen, so I you know the whole my whole Cougar fandom has been you know pretty much since my freshman year. I would say it's not like I was a lifelong Cougar fan, but even being there, and I think we had a couple years of overlap, but just some of those teams that were so close were so good. Being the regular season SoCon championship uh, champions led by Andrew Gadlock, and then just you know kind of pooching it in the conference tournament and being such a small conference, we only it's a one bid. Certainly, the frustration started to get there. Uh, and finally, you know, g- making that breakthrough and getting through uh, in Coach Grant's, what's this, his fourth season? That was his fourth or fifth yep, season? Yep, this is fourth, yep. Uh, top of my head. But, you know, it's just just satisfying to see such a, you know, passionate fan base, small but passionate fan base down there. So it's certainly special for me as an alumni. Yeah, I was uh, I was the same age as Gowdlock. I, uh, or I, I am, I'm still, I'm still the same age. Um <laughs> So I was overlapping with the Kremens years and more importantly, the Steph Curry years, which I'm still bitter about that. I just happened to be rooting for a team that had a future two-time MVP uh, in the conference. Uh, That was tough. Definitely some close calls there, but I can't imagine being one of the fans for, you know, the 90s teams that were so good and put the school on a map and then having to wait 20 years rather than, you know, the 10 that I waited. Yeah, right. It just brings it all full circle. But no, it's it's definitely special. And, you know, we can get into a little bit more here in a minute. But hopefully it'll happen before the next 20 years. The needle's pointing up for sure. I think everybody loves the the direction Coach Grant has the team going. Uh, The plan for us today is we're going to recap everything that's happened since that NCAA tournament game. Everything that happened over the summer, we're going to put a bow on the, the off season, And then we'll wrap up by kind of talking about how those changes affect this year's team and what we want to see in the exhibition game in the first game of the season. And then for the season as a whole, does that sound good? Oh, that, sound, that sounds lovely. Let's do it. So any anything else from the Auburn game that you want to touch on to start? Um, From like a tactical standpoint, you know, there was the, was he fouled? Was he not? But that's, you know, no point in really dwelling on that anymore. So more just, you know, I, I think we kind of hit on all the things that I wanted to discuss, just more from a support uh, support base. I, I don't, I'm not a keen enough basketball mind to discuss the strategy and how we could have approached that game separately, but that's, a, that's all I got about the Auburn game. I think the CFC fan base was definitely larger than the Auburn one. You know, Auburn uh, uh-huh. had their little contingent of orange-clad fans, but I think the CFC crowd was definitely rowdier definitely more fired up and maybe that was just a reflection of the frustration of not getting there but uh i would say for sure cfc's crowd was bigger yeah um and i think it would have been even more special had we won that game uh i think we would face clemson in the next round for a full south carolina smackdown in san diego hell yeah (laughs) well good yeah i uh I don't think we need to cover too much on the on the tactical side of the Auburn game. Great great experience overall, like we said. Uh, had a great time out in San Diego. It was definitely one of the best sites to be in March, for sure. 
Yeah. Maybe just a side note. I mean, it was, de- I guess it was my first road Cougar game. I definitely went to enough games at the, uh, at the TD arena, but I, you know, I guess if any of you out there listening, not sure where you're listening from, but if the Cougars are coming, coming near you, certainly try to see if you can get some tickets and make the trip there. It's certainly just fun to connect with even people. Like I didn't even know most of the people there that were other alumni. It was just great. Uh, meeting new people and chatting and connecting and you know like we we connected for the first time that was awesome we've we've been twitter we've been twitter homies for almost two years at that point and uh finally finally made it made it work so that was that was cool yeah and the cougars are coming to la next year that was just announced yeah, yeah as of this morning i think john rothstein had the scoop uh they will be participating in the uh the wooden classic in 2019 so that's at staples center and holy crap! Look at the lineup for that. If I mean, if you can, uh, the other teams. I mean, it's this is kind of a point I wanted to hit. We can get into it when we discuss the schedule in the upcoming season. But I feel like there's two kinds of tournaments that the Cougars can participate in uh, in these pre uh, these early season tournaments. They can either be the big fish in the small pond or the small fish in the big pond. Yep. Last year in the uh, where were they? Have the Alaska, Alaska shootout. Yep. That was that was one that they definitely should have won, and they you know floundered against uh, Cal Poly. Uh, the, in the first game, but this <laughs> uh, inversely to that, this uh, the Wooden Classic. I think uh, forget which teams were on it, but even even more so this year at the the Advocare. I mean LSU, Florida State, Villanova. Like it's loaded. there's there's yeah. teams, yeah, absolutely loaded. So uh, we can get more into that later, but yeah, Psych the Cougs are coming out west again. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of uh, hosting the Charleston Classic in our in our own arena. I think we get a. Uh, the prime billing on some of those other ESPN tournaments, you know, we get the hookup there, which is great. You know, it gives us a shot at the Villanova's, the LSU's, the uh, Wake Forests of the world. It's a pretty nice perk. Yeah, big for an out of conference. So let's talk about one of the first things that happened uh, in the off season, and that is Joe Chile's NBA career uh, began. I think I, I need to double check the facts on this but i think he's the first cougar since andrew lawrence to play in the nba summer league and played pretty well for the charlotte Hornets. were you able to catch any of those games i uh, wasn't able to catch too much summer league action actually oh, i went out to the summer league in vegas for the finals just to watch the uh, i'm a laker fan so i caught the uh the set of the finals against the blazers uh that was cool but summer league was great in general i think to me the biggest takeaway from Joe getting not only like looked at, but signed to that two-way contract, like on the national scale, it's just respectability for the program. Yeah. You know, because other than Andrew Gadlock, who had a short, but pretty solid little NBA career, he's like, he's balling up somewhere over in Europe right now, like winning MVPs and stuff. Um, Before him, it was just Anthony Johnson is the only other NBA Charleston alum. So that just, you know, makes it more recent and establishes it just solidifies the program more you know like there are a lot of big schools that probably non-mid-major big top programs that don't have any players in the nba currently so it, it just it, it just legitimizes the program and it sets sets more of a precedent for recruits and kids that uh, are thinking about thinking about that next step i agree 100 percent. i think it's a great sign for coach grant uh, I think there's other players on the team who have just as much of a shot at an NBA opportunity as Joe did. For Joe, you know, he didn't get drafted, uh, wasn't on the, the summer camp team until I think the day before the tournament started. 
uh, shows his stuff, shows he belongs on that level. And like you said, just really legitimizes the program as a uh, cultivator of NBA talent. And I think Joe showed he belongs out there. I think he can, with his size and with his steadiness and his shooting and his ability to get to the line, I think he has a real shot to uh, to get called up to that Hornets roster and, uh, you know, show what he can do. Yeah, um, obviously very much of that's dependent on how the Hornets do this season. If they're a playoff team towards the end of the season, if they're not, that's when they start tapping into some of those some of those G League players, but I, you know, four four games in, he hasn't he hasn't gotten called up yet. But I don't think he needs to worry about that. You know, just keep doing your thing in the G League, and the it, the opportunity will get there. And he gets to hang out with Cam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cam Johnson gets the training camp invites uh, to the Greensboro Swarm as well. Not a guaranteed roster spot, but it makes me so happy to see that Joe Chile and Cam Johnson continue to play together. It's awesome just seeing representation at the professional level uh, come out of the come out of the college Charleston program. Absolutely. Next item I wanted to touch on from the off season: these guys aren't going to be on the court this upcoming winter, but a couple new recruits uh, verbally committing to the Cougs this past summer. Name them real quick: Brendan Tucker, who is a combo guard; D'Angelo Epps, six five wing. Travon Reddish, who's a point guard, and Dontavious King is a six-eight athletic big man. Have you had a chance to uh, to look at those guys yet? I, I saw Dontavious King because uh, he was the most recent one, I believe. He signed yep. uh, late late last week. I'm, I'm a big fan of players like him. You know, not the tallest guy, but clearly athletic. Um, I know I, I'm, I'm a fan of players like that. And in, in the college game, I think you kind of just want guys that are just do it all contingency guys. You know. I can he can do A, B, or C for me. So I'm a big fan of him. I haven't seen too much of Brennan Tucker, uh, but I do know he's probably the prize of the incoming recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, these star ratings mean nothing. We've seen two star guys who go on to lead the conference in scoring, and we've seen four and five star guys on other teams who have flamed out, but mm-hmm. all signs point to Brennan Tucker being a pretty talented player. He from his tape, he has a lot of qualities, a lot of the same qualities as Grant Riller. Super quick first step, super athletic, gets to the basket, bounces off guys, and, and is able to make shots. Some of the other offers he had include Clemson, Xavier, Northwestern, Virginia Tech, Middle Tennessee, Seton Hall, Florida Gulf Coast, and a couple other high major teams. So seems like a steal for Coach Grant. Brendan Tucker seems like he's totally totally on board with joining the Cougars next season and should be a pretty exciting guy to watch for the next four years one thing i'm pretty sure you've touched on this in earlier episodes but uh another big off-season story was just earl grant's extension yeah i mean how huge is that was it yeah. five is it five years yeah i think it's four or five years yeah i i, I think Locked it's so big in, yeah. yeah i think it's so big for recruits and recruiting to have that stability especially in a small mid-major program like the cougars that sometimes it's to me, some of these mid-major programs seem to be more cyclical in how they perform in their conference. You know, they all come in young, all work their way up to f- fourth or fifth-year seniors. They all graduate, and they all kind of reset, or the coach bounces, goes to a bigger program. But having that stability builds trust between the coaching staff, the athletic department, and and the players. Because, you know, Dontavious King, if this extension wasn't in place, he could be like, I'm telling this guy I'm going to play for him. When I don't even know if he's going to be there next season. 
and then and then looking beyond about who's already on the radar and then it, it just helps build that trust so much better and it only it's only going to improve the recruiting moving forward especially as the program continues to perform and play well under under coach grant that's a great point yeah i think uh you know having that stability for those kids for their four or five years with the program is really important to have coach grant has shown that he can really hit on the recruiting scene uh Mm -hmm. we're now seeing his first recruiting class uh move into their senior year Mm -hmm. uh so i have full faith in his ability to recruit and i definitely think that him signing that extension helped bring in some some higher tier guys who knew they were going to have the chance to play for him yeah and now that there's so much i don't want to say sex appeal but you know those those mid-majors that yeah (laughs) but from the sense of like you know those fun mid-major schools that look like they can be pretty fun to play for and like a fun city and a fun town great fans like that is becoming more prominent i think we get, we'll get into that. I have a couple points I want to make about that later on in the episode. But well, uh, you, you're a former athlete. What what's what's the recruiting pitch for athletes to come to CFC? <laughs> well, so it's different for me. So I I, I sailed at the College of Charleston, uh, one of the few programs at the time that had a varsity sailing program. There's now several more, but for me, it was just you know I knew I wanted to sail, and it being an outdoor sport uh, on the water. A lot of the prominent schools and other powerhouses are up in New England, Northeast, Middle Atlantic, and it, it just gets pretty cold. Ugh, so yeah, I, I came on my there. recruit I came on my recruiting trip in March. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty nice. You know, I'm from Southern California, so it's pretty congruent with how it was at home. And then two or three weeks after the fact, they went to some schools up north and it was like easily like still, you know, mid thirties, low forties. I'm just like, yeah, this isn't even this isn't even a question for me. So I mean, it's a little bit different recruiting from uh, from that standpoint, but y- you know, you, you do take into account the facility. I mean, for me personally, you know, the facilities. Like, what's the training staff like? We do work out. Is the gym good? Is the coaching staff great? What what will this program do for me? Because there's not much of a professional sailing pipeline. So, you know, I was recruited, and I was looking more into what what can the school do for me beyond. And it's just an awesome city, and I think you know, Charleston you know, it doesn't really need to recruit itself just from the national scale. It's such an awesome town. And I think, you know, players that want to go there, they can come there, check out the city with their families. A lot of them, especially if they're in-state close to home, they already know how great it is. So yeah, I, I really don't know if Charleston has to recruit too much uh, aside from just performance on the court. It's a simple pitch. You want to go to a school where you're the main sport. If you're, if you're, a basketball player you don't have to live in the shadow of football you like the right. beach we got that you like warm weather we got that you want to walk to music venues and bars and restaurants we got that simple and and top top quality food as well top quality food of course <laughs> so last thing to touch on this came out toward the end of the summer uh it's pretty well known now but the cougars 2018 2019 schedule came out I would say one of the stronger schedules they've had in Earl Grant's tenure, if not the strongest. You have any mm-hmm. games circled on it? Yeah, a couple uh, that I want. I mean, mostly the out of conference. You know, it's always fun to we can circle some of the in conference stuff. But you know, you're going to play all those teams. But uh, for me, the big ones that stuck out were Rhode Island, mm-hmm. just because you know they're an A10 school uh, tournament team last season, and they're they're one of those teams that play. The A10 to me is one of those conference that oftentimes gets two, maybe three, 
uh, bids, does, even yeah. a couple, like a couple of larges, if they play, if some of their teams are good enough. So putting, you know, if we go head to head and, you know, it played a close one last year at roadie, I believe this year is it's home. Um, you know, that, that's certainly one to watch. And um, another one is Oklahoma state at Oklahoma state. That's uh, a good one. Big, yeah. Big 12 country. Uh, it's a big road game. That's one of those games. Even if you play them tight, I think Oklahoma state might be in a little bit of a downward trend right now, but you know, come, come tournament time and resume selection time. That's one of those wins that certainly um, would look nice on the resume. But what's interesting about that is at the Advocare, we open, uh, we open against LSU we beat Ben Simmons when he, the year he was there. I remember that. That was a great one. Yeah. That was a great win. Yeah. Um, but I think if, I don't know how the bracket, I don't know what looking at the bracket, like cutout. I don't know which way it goes. Right. Yeah. It's a weird non bracketed game. I think it's, I think that's how we got LSU when we played them. I don't know which year we've played LSU, like three of the past four years randomly or something. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we beat, yeah, if we beat LSU in the first round and Florida State wins, we would play Florida State, who's also in the top 25 along with LSU right now. And then if you win mm-hmm. that, you play presumably Villanova, another team we seemingly play every year after they win a national championship. Yeah, right. Jeez. Yeah, so looking at the schedule, yeah, so Sunday, November 18th at Oklahoma State, and then Thursday, right before thanks, uh, week before Thanksgiving, is LSU, and that's when that tournament goes out. So we could play Oklahoma State two, two or three games in a row, which is pretty entertaining. Weird, uh, weird schedule, court, yeah, yeah, weird schedule one. And then another one. Oh, it's another point I had that's kind of tying into my big fish small pond. This is one of those tournaments that were certainly the small fish in the big pond. So you know, just make a little bit of noise in that tournament. Um, play some of these top teams close. That's you know, it's that looks good in the uh, committee's eyes, no doubt. Um, the last one actually is VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, who I think is a program that, you know, really burst onto the scene. I forget the year off the top of my head when they made the final four. Um, they've lost a little bit of talent. Um, last year they had, first of all, they, they had some phenomenal hair on their team last year. All Holy hair crap. team for they sure. Had, they were all hair team. Uh, one, but notably it was Mo Ali Cox, who graduated and is now actually tied in for the Indianapolis right. Colts in the NFL. That's right. So yeah. certainly – yeah, no shortage of athletes, I think, on that school. And that's that's one of those kind of uh, size-up matchups because, you know, VCU also in the A-10. That's, that's kind of like the eyeball test. The A-10 is, you know, a more respected conference, if you will, than the Colonial Athletic, while both while both mid-majors, I think the A-10, like I said earlier, gets maybe two or three um, couple more at-large mm-hmm. bids for the tournament. Uh, and it just sizes up. So I think that could be a nice confidence booster. And I believe that's also our last game before – uh, one of the last games before the conference schedule kicks in. So I think that could be a nice momentum carrier uh, for sure. And what, what, what do you, what do you have? What do you have pinned? I have the same three. I have the same three circled uh, same reasons as you Rhode Island and VCU two teams that are perennially pretty competitive in the a 10. I think both are on a little bit of a, a down swing, but if you want to be a top team in the CAA, you have to take games like this, right? You have to right. see how you match up against mid to upper tier A10 teams. Should be pretty right. competitive because of where those teams stand in their conference and where we're projected to stand in ours. So I think getting VCU and OK State to come to TD Arena over the next couple of years is going to be awesome. Those are good home games to have, just like the Rhode Island one is this year. And for casual right. fans, they recognize those team names. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like... 
Georgia College or Benedict College in, in the exhibitions. These are teams exactly. that casual fans should know. They should show up. Um, it's a good opportunity to see the Cougs play a good game and, and get a win. I like it all around. And obviously the Advocare Invitational is another great, great benefit to us playing in the Charleston Classic is I feel like we're always in one of these competitive, uh, competitive or at least well-known tournaments. Good chance to get a win or two against a ranked team. All the games are going to be on the ESPN networks. So great visibility for fans like you and I who don't live in Charleston anymore. So all around, I think it's a really strong schedule. The team might struggle a little bit with uh, with the, the Advocare tournament. Maybe go one and two to two and one. Nobody's expecting them to knock off Villanova, but should be right. a good uh, early test for the Cougars and really prepare them for conference play. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that's the point of these big, that these early tournaments, like let teams kind of get that out of conference, big feel that, you know, can, especially playing in a tougher tournament like this, it's definitely a leg up. I'm not certain what other CAA schools are playing in which tournaments, but I feel like this one certainly might be the more. Northeastern's coming down to Charleston for the Charleston Classic, where no bad things have ever happened to them on a basketball court. (laughs) Well, technically the TD Arena. Yes. Yeah. The TD Arena. They'll be playing a TD Arena, but, uh, yeah, I think I mean Northeastern's going to have a good good team. I'll, I'll be anxious to see how they do in the in the Charleston Classic. Yeah. So we've looked at the schedule. We've looked at some players coming in, some players who have moved out. That does mean some shakeups for the roster, which I think is one of the prevailing themes of the offseason and, and this time of year is for roster spots or for starting lineup spots, for playing time spots in the rotation. I want to move on to talk about some of those opportunities, some of the new players who are on the court. For me, I think that the fourth, I think four of the five starting lineups are pretty set. Marquise Pointer, Grant Riller, Drell Brantley, Nick Harris. That fifth spot is the one to me that is the most open. It could be anybody from Jalen McManus to Brevin Galloway to Jalen Richard, who's a freshman who people are high on. What are your thoughts on on the battle for that final starting spot? I, I think you want to go. I don't know who who's the most exper- Who's the most experienced guard of that? I know. Zep, I mean, Zep probably Jasper's- McManus. I mean, McManus just in terms of playing time. Brevin Galloway's been with the team for three years now, but didn't contribute too much last season. But McManus is sort of a weird positional fit. He, he normally backs up Jarrell. Right. So I don't know. I, I I think out of necessity, Grant might have to play guys who are younger than he would prefer. So is that more of the Zep Jasper types? Or? Yeah, I think Zep for sure is, um, I mean, he's he's like the only other pure point guard on the team besides Marquise. So I think he has to play, especially with the way that Grant likes to play those four guard lineups with Jarrell at center. I think Zep is the guy who makes the most sense to step in and and he might even be starting he might start the first game if if Marquise Pointer's not good to go. Jalen Richard, freshman who a lot of people are high on, Grant said he's a scorer, he's super athletic. But then, you know, the the push and pull there is that I I can't remember a time where Grant played freshman significantly aside from his first year when he had to start Marquise and Jarrell. Right, and and I think maybe he kind of maybe gave something away there. Yeah, he's a scorer, but between, you know, I feel like the offense is kind of going to run through Grant Riller. So yeah, sure you want options, but maybe maybe Richard is better off coming in in that first that first unit off the bench. You know, the bench is going to need scoring for sure. I think that's something Marquise Pointer and Jalen McManus have bring their skill sets, but 
it seemed like last year the team could have used a scoring mm-hmm. punch uh, when Riller or Brantley or Geely last year were, were on the bench. Yeah, and it, it just determines, you know, maybe for these first couple games, obviously just switching it out, seeing what works, but could be strictly more matchup based. You know, maybe keep four of the five, but that fifth person is going to be, you know, kind of ambiguous and ro- and like fluid. Like maybe we got to size up so it'll go somebody, they'll go for a bigger bigger option or I don't know. I could see that for sure. Yeah, I think um, I I I would not be surprised if the starting lineup changed two or three times between between now and conference play. Yeah, and and for me again, I I, I lack basketball strategic knowledge to really fully understand when you want to play certain guys and when. I, I think basketball in general is becoming a less position based game because so many 100%. so many kids and athletes are just able to do it all. Yeah, I'm. I'm six. I'm six seven, but I can I can shoot. I can ball handle the heck out of it. So, I, I think just maybe going with, with the best option. Who's got the hot hand? Who fits and gels? You know. Yeah, I think I think that's the challenge for for the coaching staff these next couple of weeks before the first game is uh, figuring out what combinations work the best, figuring out what each combination kind of gives them, and um, and figuring all that s- sort of stuff out. Mm-hmm. But I, I have full faith in Grant to uh, to make the right calls. Yeah, <laughs> I think we kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things you do on your Pack and Heat podcast is the buy and sell segment. Yeah. So I thought we could do a little riff on that where we could throw some some options at one another and uh, we can tell each other if we buy or sell. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds great to me. All right. Should, should I go first or do you want to go first? Yeah, so so you're gonna you're gonna tell me what you're buying, or you're gonna put it out there, and I'm gonna buy or sell it. I'll put it out there. You tell me whether you want to buy or sell. That sounds great. Perfect. All right. Here's my first one. The Cougars' best NBA prospect right now is Jarrell Brantley. You buying or selling? Uh, I think I gotta sell. That's fair. From from the sense of I don't. Grant Riller is, you know, the best scorer on the team, and uh, Trey Young kind of captivate. He's, you know, he's no, he's not quite the skill level of Trey Young to go as an NBA lottery pick. Who he might be, he could have he's a couple more seasons to develop. But I, I think that from the sense of the way the league is headed, too, just needing to have that score that long. I mean, look at Andrew Gadlock. He he was drafted in the second round, but he had a fun little career with the Rockets, and he's drafted by the Lakers actually, and then moved over to Houston. So I, I think that kind of player is more what scouts are looking for in today's game. I'm so glad you said Trey Young because I was trying to think of who his NBA comp would be, and I think like a poor man's Trey Young for Grant Riller is fair. He's obviously slighter in frame, but the ability to get to the rack, to uh, to shoot, obviously from wherever on the court, maybe doesn't have the the passing of Trey Young yet, but I think. I, I would agree. I think with the way the league is trending, it's okay for smaller guys to to come in and, and make their mark. I'm high on Jarrell as a as an NBA prospect, but it's it's neck and neck between him and Grant. Yeah, I mean he also has better facial hair than Trey Young. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. All right, you want to give me one? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I'll try to phrase this the best I can. Uh, Compared to last year, more mid-major conferences getting multiple tournament bids. I will sell that, unfortunately. I think 
you know, last year when you see teams like Oklahoma and Syracuse have better bubble positions versus like a middle Tennessee or even a Northeastern, I think it's a, a bad sign. I, you, you know, maybe the committee's trying to do the right things with, with some of these new, new rules they're implementing, but I think the, the tier system of like how many A and B wins you or just screws over the mid majors anyway, uh, because you're not going to get, you're not going to get those wins in conference play, right? Like Oklahoma or Syracuse is going right. to play the ACC or whatever and get a bunch of tier one or two wins toward the end of the year. Um, I'm sort right. of a fan of the the Jay Billis model, which is to pick the at-large teams before the conference tournament so that a team that plays Ooh. in a larger conference isn't going to get three more uh, Tier A wins just playing in their tournament. So uh, I unfortunately yeah. have to sell that. I think the uh, the committee is against the mid-majors nowadays. I, 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 I think the only – I mean, having a school like Loyola do what they did, and then even UMBC beating Virginia, like how many – over the, it's easy to look back, but I mean, just I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Um, how many, how many teams like that have we missed? Oh yeah, has the tournament missed out on just because of you know they have to get the ninth place team in the ACC in over the second team in the CAA or the Mountain West or whatever. Not to say that it was the wrong choice because you know clearly the ninth place team in the ACC is still a very very good basketball team. But at the end of the day, you know you kind of want a tournament that's going to give everybody an even chance. So. That's that's like my big counter argument. Yeah, I think the gap has closed between good mid majors and not so good majors, and it's just it needs yeah. to kind of course correct. Yeah. All right, my next one for you. Ready? Yeah. Marquise Pointer averages over ten points per game this season. Oh, buy that. You're buying. I like. Yeah. It. I mean, from a sense of. Obviously, you know, Grant Rillard's going to lead the team in scoring. Might You could argue he might lead the conference in scoring, depending on how the season shapes out. I, I There's going to be plenty of ball to go around, I think, despite, you know, I, I think Rillard's going to shoot very well this season. Uh, what do you, yeah, I, I think, what, what, did, what did Marquise average last season? So, for reference, last season, Marquise played about 25 minutes per game. He averaged 5.7 points per contest. But as a freshman, when he was in the starting lineup, he averaged 30 minutes a game uh, and 11.2 points. I, I think he's going to find some room now that Joe Cheely's gone and Cam Johnson are gone. I think he's going to become a much better option to score. Like some, he looked like damn Superman in the CAA championship game. Yeah, exactly, and and so the the fact that he's shown those flashes has that ability. I, I think he. I think he definitely. I think. Let's see. Three players averaged triple digits, double double digits. Reeler and Joe both averaged over eighteen plus. Um, yeah, yeah, those points have to go somewhere, and I think I think Marquise is is gonna reap the benefits. Yeah. How about we do one more each? Yeah, sure. Uh, I got one for you. Uh, the Cougs won't win the CAA regular season. Ooh, I think it. I think it's health dependent. You know. Pointer and, and McManus are both uh, nursing injuries. I, I'm going to sell. I think, uh, I think Northeastern has the depth and the returning experience to blitz through the conference a little bit easier than the Cougs will. I think the Cougs might have some growing pains, uh, filling the void left by Joe Cheely and Cam Johnson, finding 
the right combination of pieces off the bench or in the starting lineup that that gives them the best chance. So I think they might, you know, maybe struggle out of the gate a little bit. Uh, There's also that championship hangover. So I will say that Northeastern wins the regular season title. Yeah. So, so just for semantics, I, my, I phrased wrong. I said CFC won't win the CAA regular season. So you're buying that. So I will buy that. They will not win. Yes. Gotcha. What, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, that's kind of when I originally wrote this one down. It just made sense. You know, obviously, like you said, health dependent. I have no reason to believe any different. You know, you're going to have those weird games. They got three. They open up conference play three on the road at UNC Wilmington, at Towson, at James Madison, who you mentioned in your uh, CAA preview on mid-major madness could be a sleeper team this year. So that could be a big statement game for them. Yeah, there's going to be a couple weird games that the Cougars are going to lose, just close games. Like last year, I think they lost uh, – they lost to Towson early. I remember they lost an mm-hmm. overtime game, I think, to William and Mary. Or was it James Madison? I don't remember. But uh, or no, it was Drexel. That was a weird game. Yeah. So I, I think just yeah, there's gonna be weird games, and they're not gonna be the one seed going in the tournament. But that's fine because they don't they don't need to be the one seed going into the tournament. Um, and that's you know that's where that's where you make your bread. Get to the big tournament. Uh, yeah, I don't. I I agree with the buy that they will not win the regular season. I think as long as you're top four and you, you get that exactly. first round by, it's all a wash after that anyway. You got one more? Yeah, let's let's do one more. We kind of already touched on this, but uh, a true freshman will start in the first game of the season against Presbyterian. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna sell that. I think I think a true freshman will get substantial minutes mm-hmm. in the first game, but I don't think they'll start, you know, just from a sense of first game of the season, let's just, you know. And the thing about, like, yeah, starting, it could be, you know, it's it's the honor, it's the it's the prestige of being the starter, but, you know, that first, that first timeout or, you know, media timeout rolls around, uh, that person could be out and, you know, the bench guy gets hot or they just really want to try to rotate him in more. It's a better matchup, an adjustment that the coaching staff is making. Um I, I think a true freshman will get substantial minutes, but I don't think they start. I can see that happening. I mean, to play to play devil's advocate, Coach Grant might have to start. I, I think Zepp Jasper might have to start, but he's a redshirt freshman. So that leaves mm. three or four true freshmen. And I think with Coach Grant's tendency to, to not really trust underclassmen unless he has to, I, I think we could see what you're talking about where we see those guys come off the bench pretty soon, but maybe they don't get that starting spot game one. Right. Who, who, who do you think other than Zepp, who do you think is the best chance? From what I've heard, I think Jalen Richard. Yeah. Like I said, super athletic kid. I think he's dropped like 25 a game in high school. So he he can obviously score, but uh, you know, it might be somebody like Brevin Galloway, you know, who has been in the program a couple years um, he, it makes sense for him to move in, but, um, if it had to be a freshman, Jalen Rashard would be my pick, but we're not going to know for sure until the games begin. Yeah. All right, Brooks, we were buying, we were selling the season is going to be kicking off soon. And I know you'll be, uh, spending an unhealthy amount of time watching Cougar basketball like myself, but before we head out, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, so we plugged at the beginning of the pod. Uh, just, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter, B- at BNP 
Bravo November uh, Presbyterian Brooks at uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, hit me up on hit me up on Twitter. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners out there are current current Cougar students, but uh, if you're interested in getting involved in sports production or anything like that, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, give me drop me a line on Twitter, slide in the DMs. I uh, would love to help out and point you in the right direction and offer any advice that I have. Um, I know that I, you know, certainly emote was those wish I had a better, you know, had a good resource, someone I could talk to, um, in this industry when I was, when I was your age, but, um, yeah, just, you know, that's love to help out, love to give back to the school. And, uh, Charleston has meant so much to me and I'm sure it has as much to you, Tommy. And, uh, yeah, dude, I, I love this. Maybe, as the season gets going, I can get my head out of the college football world. I can actually put my nose to the grindstone and pay attention to some college basketball and know what I'm talking about. I would love to uh, hopefully maybe get back on <laughs> as the season yeah, commences. Yeah, this has been fun. Let's definitely do it again. Uh, I don't know. Do the Cougs have games on Fox Sports? I don't know what our TV contract is. Uh, maybe you'll get no. to go to some games, though. Uh, I don't think there's any on our network, unfortunately. Maybe some of the regionals, like uh, Fox Sports Carolina. Or yeah, like that, yeah, that's but. true. That's true. All right. Well, thanks, Brooks. Appreciate it, as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, Tommy. Go Cougs. Go Cougs.